Galatians 5, 16. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you don't have it on your phone, uh, grab a pew Bible and somebody call out where it is in the pew Bible so we can all look at it. Galatians 5, 16 will actually be up on the screen too. 1171. And what's amazing is this passage um, is hard to live out. And I want to introduce right now two folks that are going to share with us, Amy and Danny Valencia. Come on up, Amy and Danny. Can we just clap for them as they come up? And look at this passage. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Such a simple statement, <laughs> okay? Hey, just walk by the Spirit, and you won't desire, uh, you won't desire uh, or you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So much easier said than done. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. You're going to hear Gary talk about this in a bit, but I wanted you to see how it plays out when somebody walks with the Spirit. I knew Danny and Amy since 2008. They got married in 2009. We've had some journeys to Malawi together with Danny. Then they went the next year as a couple and their family. Uh, it's just been neat to see all of us grow up together in many ways. Uh, we're all growing together, trying to be more free. Danny, start us off. There was a season in your life where you came to realize there was an issue, a fleshly issue, that willpower alone you could not stop. Tell us about what that was. Yeah, so I, I grew up, uh, I, raised, I was raised with a deep-rooted uh, anger issue. Um, I saw many family members uh, uh, throughout my life um, model this for me. And uh, it was taught to me that uh, being a man was not letting anybody disrespect me. And uh, if that happened, to fight them verbally or physically. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of anger that came into different, <laughs> to, uh, different relationships in my life and then um, bringing it into my marriage with Amy. Um, I would get triggered and flooded so easily <laughs> that uh, there was, there was n a point of no return. I couldn't so come back to that. Speak to that. So did you hear that? He would get triggered and flooded. Anybody relate to that? Where your emotions get triggered and you flood and then you react versus respond in the spirit. Give us the two instances that you really came to realize this is out of control. I can't control this. Yeah, there was one night after uh, getting home that uh, I got so angry at Amy that uh, I just went off and punched a hole in the wall. And it was, uh, it scared her, but it kind of also scared me too. Mm -hmm. um, and then fast forward a few years, I'm coaching high school softball, and uh, I just go irate on an umpire for a bad call and lost it for about five minutes. Uh, in turn, I was fired from that job. Um, I was, well, obviously kicked out of the game, fired from that job, and also uh, the umpire tried to file charges on me for assault. So, so at that point, you came to the realization this is out of control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amy, how about you? Let us in. When, when and what was the issue that you realized sheer willpower was not enough to overcome it? Yeah. Um, so for me, my issue um, was overeating and emotional eating. Um, my mom modeled for that for me in my childhood. I had an abusive dad who was abusive emotionally and spiritually. And I watched my mom time and time again turn to food and gain weight. And um, so I became in turn enslaved unknowingly to food as my mm -hmm. place of comfort um, and safety, really. 
Um, and so over the years, as I gained weight and I'd try in my own willpower to lose it and sometimes have successes, some years, lots of failures, um, I developed a knee issue uh, and ended up with a knee replacement four years ago at 38 and that was debilitating and so how frustrating. I can't physically be active. I'm turning to food and I just, the weight slowly was coming on. Um, so it really hit a point for me where I just realized I needed to turn to God last year. Um, I hit over 300 pounds on the scale for the first time and I didn't want to admit it, um, but then I had to go for, on a work conference and get on a plane for the first time in a couple years and and could bear, I mean, this was gonna be the last time the seatbelt was gonna be able to be forced on me. And if anyone's been in that position, I am sorry. It's, it's humiliating, it's embarrassing. And I remember that flight to the East Coast just crying out to God, like, you know, I can't do this. What, I'm, I'm not being successful on my own. And hearing God clearly tell me that uh, I needed to stop trying to do it on my own. So do you hear the desires of their flesh got the best of them? And it happens for all of us. Gary's going to even explain it that it's the over-desire of our flesh. There's just this, it's this powerful aspect of our flesh. What's interesting, grace then entered into their journeys. And I want you to hear now how God's grace entered in. So, Danny, you first. Tell us how God's grace showed up so that it opened up a door towards freedom. Yeah, so talking about my issues, about my anger, was uh, a no-go zone for me. Um, <laughs> It just couldn't happen, and when somebody would approach me with it, I would just lose it on them for trying to fix me. Um, and I saw that just a little <laughs> bit just once. Yeah. The bear came out. <laughs> I had always seen so, the spirit side yeah. of him. That's what was interesting. I would seen the spirit side of him so much, mm -hmm. I was shocked when I saw the bear come out. I didn't get the umpire bear. I just got the littler bear. <laughs> so keep yeah, going. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, through, uh, some of the pastors on staff and various men, um, here in PCC showed me what, uh, a godly man looked like. And, uh, through God's grace, I was able to, um, openly share my story without feeling shamed or judged for yeah. the first time in my life. Yeah. yeah. So it's experiencing shame free culture, mm -hmm. not being judged right. that allowed you to do it. Yeah. Right. Amy, for you, what was the grace that penetrated you? Yeah, so um, one of the things I love about God's grace that I've learned is he makes it personal for you. So I'm a words person. Um, going into 2016, I was praying for a word to guide my year, and he gave me victory, victory in Jesus. He's already won the victory. I just have to walk into it. And I didn't know that was going to be about food and emotional mm -hmm. eating. Um, so yet again, I tried a New Year's resolution and failed. And uh, when June hit, when I had that airplane ride, um, it all sort of opened up, a, a path opened up in front of me, um, and God gave me a prayer. I put it on my wall, started reciting it every day. Um, Lord, I want to see you. Lord, I want to hear you. Lord, I want to know you so I can follow hard after you to victory in Jesus. And um, started this, this journey of surrendering that, that enslavement mm -hmm. to him daily. Mm -hmm. The passage actually says, so I say walk by the Spirit. I want you to hear more of the specifics of how they walked. You heard the over-desire that had them and still has potential to have them. You heard the grace entered in. I want you to hear now how, what were the steps they had to walk to continue to have this freedom. Tell us about some of the steps you had to walk. Yeah, so I, I had to rely on the Holy Spirit to stop myself before I got flooded or before I got really angry. Um, 
but it was a, a process that I had to, that actually it was a long process. Um, and through some of the, um, the, the uh, resources that I talked about before and also anger management um, really helped me get some of this stuff under control. Um, some of the tools that I learned were um, I simply put a rubber band on my wrist and uh, when I felt myself getting angry or started feeling emotions rise up, I would just snap that thing on my wrist to the point of a little bit of pain and it would r remind me to calm myself and to, to step back a little bit. Um, I also would, um, if I got into a uh, conversation that was hard or I started getting angry, I would tell the person that I needed to step back and take some time so that I could remove myself from that situation. Mm -hmm. I could pray about it and ask God to please calm me down. Mm -hmm. And it really uh, helped me, those tools really helped me um, have those hard conversations without just completely losing it on somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, again, as all of us are, we're, I'm still not perfect. I still get angry and I still lose it sometimes. But uh, through prayer, you know, God is, God is faithful and you know, Freedom from anger is an everyday choice in him. Yeah, so freedom from, I like that line, freedom from anger is an everyday choice in him. <laughs> Amy, tell us about the steps of the spirit mm -hmm. and what it meant to, what it's looked like to walk with the spirit now for you. So for me, it's, it's just been so evident that it's the Holy Spirit's power that's, um, that's done this, not, not mine, because I tried mm -hmm. and tried and tried for 41 years, and uh, it's not within my ability. So, um, you know, I started initially with the, 30-day cut out a bunch of stuff diet. God pretty much tricked me because then I haven't stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, but for me to be able to stand here and say, I haven't had bread since June and I haven't cheated once on this diet, like that is so beyond my own mm -hmm. capabilities. Mm -hmm. That's totally only God. And uh, I mean, that's just a testament to him. Um, it's really that that daily choice for me to be able to look at something that has enslaved me and been a temptation and my go-to for pleasure to look at it and say, instead, I can't have that to say, I don't need it. And it's truly, I mean it and feel it, um, is a miracle. Um, so, uh, one thing that I've been doing because I'm to the point where there's just so much joy in this journey of victory and freedom, mm -hmm. um, when I'm hitting milestones, cause it's almost out of my control The weight, this scale keeps going down. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, thanks God. Um, but I keep circling back to my little theme, my theme song, victory in Jesus. And, um, since I hit a milestone this, this last week, I'm going to have you guys all stand up and celebrate with me. You probably have something to celebrate for yourself too, but if you don't, you can join me. I'm serious. Stand up. <laughs> I've got I've got a great Cajun version of Victory in Jesus. Sorry, people are texting me from the previous service. Hold on. <laughs> great job. Okay, it's not helpful. You got fans. You got fans. So All this right. is their theme song. The clapper. <laughs> So I hit 85 pounds weight loss this last week. What I want you to hear, the song won't stop. Uh, what I want you to hear is that you got to identify the over-desire. Gary's going to lead us more into that. And then 
walking with the Spirit involves hearing from God a specific word, letting other people in, and it's a journey. So let's pray. God, thanks uh, that you can use it all, God, our broken family past to identify what and who you want us to be. Thanks, God, that you can use secular tools. Thanks, God, the power of a rubber band to remind us. Thank you, God, the joy of a song uh, that you've given uh, to help us uh, actually choose the joy of freedom versus feeling enslaved as we're trying to get out of freedom. So, Lord, uh, we know this is not about perfection. It's actually endlessly about heading in direction with you. So Lord, we give you the glory. Help us hear now from God's word as Gary uh, conveys to us what it truly means uh, to experience and produce fruit within us from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for them? That's incredible. Thank you. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. You know, uh, this letter that we're studying, the book of Galatians, was written to a church who thought that that kind of transformation can come about through rules, uh, through boundaries, through lanes, through the do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. That only modifies behavior. It doesn't bring true, lasting, internal change. What I love about the letter to the Galatians and love about their story is uh, they were a part of our church for a long time. And in this area, there wasn't an inner transformation. There was an outward attempt through avoiding, through doing, through do, 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 be. Remember two weeks ago, do, be, do, be, do. But the reality is true and lasting change only comes from the inside out. And that's exactly what Paul's going to talk about in this letter to Galatians. He's writing a letter to a church that started with Christ and then put rules on top of that. And no one was changing. As we'll see in Galatians 5, they looked a lot like the culture they were trying to reach. And that was wreaking havoc inside the church. And it was just completely stalling them in ministry. They had been believers. Hear me. They stopped being becomers towards Christ. We're all becoming someone or something. They stopped becoming Christ-like in this This hurt Paul, and so he wrote this letter to Galatians. In our passage today, Paul gives a core protocol for how to truly change. And I'm talking about the unique Jesus change that can't happen apart from him. How to truly have a transformation in your life, a true spiritual transformation from the inside out. And there's no greater illustration of that or motivation. I mean, I hear that, I'm like, you spurred me on. Thank you so much. Let me ask you a question. How many of you discovered with some issue in your life that willpower alone is not powerful enough to change you? Yeah, me too. Uh, How many of you have a character issue in your life that you may have despair over? You've tried, you've tried, you've tried, but you just can't change that. Yeah, me too. I believe today will bring about life-altering truths for a lot of us, really, so let me just, just quickly review where we are at this point. What is Galatians about? I put it in a watermark on page one. Galatians, Paul is shouting, grace is way better than rules. And that goes counterintuitive to our religious sense, but it's true. We've seen that for five chapters now. Grace is way more powerful for rules. The theme verse that we're trying to memorize is Galatians 5.1, and it says this, that it is for freedom... That Christ has set us free. 
What do you mean free? Free from the lure of food. Free from accessing anger. Free from everything that destroys you. We'll see a large list of what we can be free from today. Stand firm then, Paul says. Don't let yourself uh, be burdened again. I love the imagery here. By the yoke of slavery. He's talking about religious slavery here. The rules. You've got to do this, then God will love you. You've got to do that, then God will love you. You have to do this for God to love you. Listen, grace is less about following rules and more about falling in love. That's the key to transformation. Grace is less about following rules and more about falling in love. Perhaps you're going to push back and go, wait a second, Gary, if you're telling us we don't have to follow religious rules, what's going to keep us from going off the deep end? And trust me, I know you're thinking of it because I have answered so many emails that go along that line. You keep preaching grace. Come on, you're you're just giving people license to sin. I'm not giving license to sin. I just believe in the power of grace. And maybe you're wondering, gosh, if it's all about grace, how am I going to become like Christ if I don't have some rules to get there? Paul is so glad you would ask that question. Every email you sent me, Paul said, right on. Wait till Galatians 5. And we're here. Galatians 5, okay? So your Bibles are open. Galatians 5, verse 16. Let's just jump in. This almost reads like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde novel. This is a great passage. Paul says, remember, he's writing to a church, okay? So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. Brian talked about this. The desires, literally the word is the over desires. Uh, the King James puts the lusts of the flesh. Um, the issue that Paul has is not that the church desired bad things. This, this would be really good. They over desired good things. And when you over desire a good thing, it becomes a God thing, and then it becomes destructive. Anything that you make a God thing becomes destructive in your life. Most of us take good things, we put an over-desire on it, and it becomes like a God thing. We've got to have it. I'm not complete without it. I need that. This builds my image. This makes me secure. We all have issues like that in our life. Most of those are good things. But then we place it in a God thing category. And then it's called idolatry, and then it destroys us. That's what's going on in the Galatian church. It goes on in our lives. It goes on in my life. So Paul says, walk by the Spirit. You won't gratify the over-desires. If you have a Bible, I would just write that in. Over-desire. That's what it means. You'll see it three times in this passage. Of the flesh. By the way, flesh is not talking about, you know, my skin. It's a spiritual word for the uh, nature inside you, the passion inside you that wants appetites. Uh, pick your appetite. It's your sarks, is the Greek word, the flesh, the thing that, uh, the ungodliness in you, the thing that drove, can I use you as an illustration, Dan? The thing that drove Danny to anger. That's the sarks, the flesh that fueled that. Kind of inside out that I see that anger, you know, the red little uh, guy, his, his, his fire blows off his head. That's the sarks. That's what he's talking about. And it could be anger, it could be food, it could be lust, it could be a lot of things. We'll see in a minute what it goes after the flesh over desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary wow interesting the spirit has strong longings too 
So do you see what he's doing here? He's, there's two natures for a follower of Christ. If you're not in Christ, you have one nature. Your spirit is dead to Christ. You are all about the flesh. That's your power source. But once you become a Christian, like the woman that Janet talked about, uh, a new nature was born. The flesh was killed and severed, as we'll see in a minute, and the spirit grew in her. And suddenly there was these two natures that she could access, that we get to access for strength in a source of life, okay? And Paul says the spirit has longings too. He's a personality. And he longs to make you like Christ. But his longings are contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. It's a cage fight inside every Christian every day. So you don't do whatever you want. We're no longer in that freedom. For some of you, that's the line for you. As a follower of Christ, you can't do whatever you want. It just will wreak havoc in your life. Okay, so we're there. Okay, so uh, over-desire, making a good thing, but I've got to have it. It becomes a God thing and then wreaks havoc in my life. Okay, so let's look at some of these flesh over-desires. He, he goes into them, and this was taking place in the church in Galatia, and it was rampant in the city and churches and areas surrounding Galatia. Remember, Galatia in the first century, very rich, uh, very cosmopolitan, pluralistic, uh, Roman mythology abounding, tons of gods on every corner, right, to appease the gods, the god of agriculture, the god of commerce, idols everywhere, paganism everywhere, and this little church sprouts up that follows Jesus, and they're trying to live out what it means to follow Jesus. So here we go. The acts of the flesh are obvious, okay, and he's, this is, if you're a follower of Christ and you hold to the authority of Scripture, uh, don't take my word for it. I'm not looking at you and saying bad, bad, bad. I'm just telling you we are governed by this. This brings freedom. This brings freedom. Paul's not making this list to make you feel bad. He's putting this list in to bring freedom for you and to make you stand out and be different. Here they go. So he'll start with three words having to do with our sexuality. Now, sexuality is a good thing. God created sexuality in its place. To function in a certain way. When you over-desire sexuality and take it out of bounds, now it's a destructive thing. And friends, just read the home pages. Come on, just read about what's going on in the world and how, uh, gosh, you look at like people like ISIS who use sexuality as a weapon of war. And, and this is not the culture that God created. Women, you weren't designed to carry mace in your purse at night. Why does my daughter at 10 have to take a self-defense class? Why are one in five women uh, forced sexually beyond their desires and, and get sexually assaulted? This is the world we live in because a good thing becomes a God thing and all barriers are held off. Do you see what's going on here? What are the words? He says, sexual immorality, first word. I'll give you the Greek word. Maybe you'll explain what we get, what word we get from it. Pornea. Pornea. It's any sex outside marriage, virtually or in real time. Sexual intercourse between unmarried people. Pornea. Impurity. That's just a natural sexual practice. In a relationship. It's the Bible word. Whatever it's used, that's what it means. Debauchery, uncontrolled sexuality. Doing whatever you want 
period. Okay? Works of the flesh, over-desiring a good thing. Then he goes on, and he goes to two words having to do with religious-type experiences. Idolatry. Do you see him there? In this case, this is the occult, pagan practices. Happened all the time in Galatia. I think in our modern day, you could list horoscopes in here. Turn into your horoscope and making plans based on that. That would certainly follow. Uh, and going here, tarot cards would be in here. And then witchcraft. I'll give you the Greek word for that. Uh, this book was written in the Greek language. That's why I say the Greek word. You ready? Pharmakeia. Turning to a substance to produce an elative experience so that you can function. I'm not talking about the two ibuprofen I pop before a run. I'm talking about if you need alcohol. And and, and I know there are people that struggle with that, and I'm not judging at all. Uh, Paul isn't judging here. This isn't that. He's not talking about addiction. It leads to addiction. He's talking about what ramps up. Marijuana. Any outside substance. In, In Galatia, this is what would happen in the worship of the gods. They would include outside substance. This is things like, I've got to have alcohol to have a good time. Now, and listen, I am free in Christ. Truth is, I, I, I enjoy a glass of wine uh, or two. I know my limits. But the reality is, I can also enjoy a night without any wine and don't need the glass of wine to have a good time. Okay? And there's times in my life where I just go, you know what? I'm going to hold off for a month just to, just to make sure. I'm free in Christ. This is what Paul's talking about here. So three words. And you know what? Is, is wine a good thing? Absolutely. Jesus drank wine. It's a good thing. God created that. Okay? But when the good thing becomes a God thing, I've got to have that. I can't do this without that. Now it's destructive. Now you're dependent. Now you're bound. That's what Paul's getting at here. Eight relationally destructive words follow okay are relationships good things everyone nod your head absolutely we need each other i need to be in relationship with you i can't be who i was designed to be in christ without you we must have fellowship together that's why there's 50 something one another's in the new testament we're commanded 50 something times to spur each other on to serve each other love each other all that but when i say bro what's your name Dylan, when I say to Dylan, Dylan, I need you. I need your friendship. I need your approval. Otherwise, I can't be who I'm designed to be. If I say that, now Dylan becomes my God. His opinion matters more than what God says is true of me. And that good thing now has become a God thing. I put you in a position you were never designed to be in. This can happen in marriage. I can turn to my wife, and I can say her approval matters more to me than God's. And now she's my God, not God. See, I take a good thing. We're supposed to be one. Now it's a God thing, and now it wreaks havoc. Look at these. What happens when that happens relationally? You have hatred. You have discord. You have jealousy. By the way, why does hatred pop up? Because you're stealing my God. You're taking something very important to me, and now I'm angry at you because you stole something from me. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. Okay, And then he closes, finally concludes with two more words referring to substance abuse. Drunkenness, 
And then orgies. He's not talking about sexual orgies here. He's talking about ragers. Alcoholic orgies. Just, a, just a, like the fraternity parties I was engaged in before I came to Christ. Someone told me this. I've never forgotten it. Maybe it'll bring you value. He said to me when I was a young Christian, Gary, I want you to remember this about sin. Sin thrills and then it kills. Sin fascinates and then it will assassinate. On the front end, it's just all pleasure, but there's a payday someday. This took place in the church, and I just want to say, uh, well, look what Paul said right here. He said this, I warn you as I did before, those who live like this, and here's what he means by this. This is not a slip up, or dang it, I got angry again, or gosh, I, I went too far in my drinking again. God, forgive me. That, he's not talking about that here. He's talking about uh, living habitually with no conscience, uh, in frequent, uh, frequent and unrepented behavior. He says, you know what? You won't inherit the kingdom of God. In that way. If you have no conscience about these things, um, Paul says to the church, just do a gut check. Christ has not inhabited you. Because if the Holy, Holy Spirit was in you, you would be convicted of these things. That's what he's saying. And I want to say to all of us, we live in grace. I'm not your Holy Spirit. But you have one, and he's speaking to you right now. And maybe what you need to do is turn me off and turn him off. Uh, on, turn the Holy Spirit on and listen to his voice and do what he tells you to do right now. There's conviction, uh, confession, the word confession, homo logeo, homo, same word, logeo, logos, word, same word. Just agree with God about whatever he's convicting you about right now. And say, you know what, I'm not going to skirt this, I'm not going to change the word for it. It's not just having too much. I got drunk and I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And on the basis of Christ, there's forgiveness for us in Christ. That's where freedom comes in. Okay, so Paul goes down that route. The, that was taking place in the Galatian church. And then he goes on a different route. Look at this, and we're going to read this together. Gosh, suddenly the, the energy level is just tanked in here. Um, I, I think it actually should tank. We should be very sober about these things. Well, I was a youth pastor for 17 years. The number one killer of teenagers was alcohol-related deaths. It's very sobering. So while I make light of it, it it's good. We, we need sometimes to examine ourselves, don't we? And this is that time every Sunday where we just come to a true north. And we live in grace. And I trust that when you leave this place in about 20 minutes, we will be excited about God and all the grace that we get for the week ahead. But don't run through this list, please. Fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Isn't that beautiful? Let me ask you, looking in your Bibles at 19 to 21 and 22 to 23, which society would you rather live in? What community would you rather be a part of? Right? Uh, we are the church, and we should be a part of this spirit-empowered community and then live our lives out in this flesh-desiring, flesh-driven community so we can have more stories like Janet shared, people jumping from darkness to light because they see a life that's completely different. 
Turn to page two and let me just pull out some stuff for us in our remaining time together. How do you get there? How do I, how do I have true transformation? We haven't answered that yet. We've just talked about two kinds of lives. Here we go. Page two and three. That's for us. And we're going we're gonna to motor through this, okay? I am so grateful for a pastor in Manhattan named Tim Keller and his commentary uh, on Hebrews, especially for this page two. The organic nature of Christian change. Notice he says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit. He uses an organic, uh, a botanical illustration as opposed to the works of the, of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh. Uh, in that day, they'd see vineyards. They'd see orchards. They would understand what he meant. We don't see that very often. So let me pull this out and give hope to all of us. It, first of all, it's gradual. The nature of Christian chain is gradual. How does a grape grow? Uh, how does a carrot grow? How does a turnip grow? You don't see it. Uh, you don't see like, a, like growth in real time. You see it over time. Uh, in the hills of North Carolina, there's a um, doorpost at my wife's mother's house. She was named Granny Bird. And it, it looks like this. This isn't it, but it looks like that where they notch. She just has notched. All our girls since birth notch their height in there. Uh, and over time, it's so fun. The, the girls love going to Granny Bird's house and just seeing where they were 10 years ago, where they were 15 years ago, where they are now. Anne's grandmother actually has gone down over time. <laughs> I guess that happens, right? This is what Paul's saying. I never saw my daughters grow six inches at once. That would be freaky. But over time, they've grown. When we go to Granny Bird's house, we see it. Now, what's the measure that God uses for the Christian growth? Are you ready? trials trials he'll bring trials into your life to see if you've grown in the fruit of the spirit in love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness self-control not only is it gradual it's inevitable i want to give you hope if you're in christ you will grow if the holy spirit's in you god expects growth he expects it and we do in every other arena uh, except the spiritual life why is that? Uh, when we were in Italy, we saw this, uh, we were in a graveyard, and we saw this tomb, this thousand-pound tombstone split in half by an oak tree. And the guy that was giving us the tour said somewhere around 600 years ago, the tomb was cracking, and an acorn fell into the crack. And over time, over hundreds of years, the acorn grew and grew and grew. And this isn't it, but it, it split the tomb in half. Now, if I was a betting man, I was sitting there thinking, gosh, a little acorn, a thousand-pound slab of granite, which would I bet on? Now, I'll bet on the acorn every time. The acorns will always win because botanical growth has that kind of power in its gradualness. And if it has that kind of power in its gradualness over time, what kind of power does the Holy Spirit of God have in our lives over time? You may think you have hard character and hard soil, but the Spirit of God is in you as a seed. He will grow Jesus through you. It's inevitable over time. Where do you want to see growth in your life? Just, just take 10 seconds and think about that. In your character. Then, 
Holy Spirit growth is internal. Do you see in Galatians 5, can you pull that up again, Mike? In Galatians 5, do you see any, uh, 22 to 23, any external, uh, go to 20, there you go, any external characteristics there? Do you see leadership ability? Do you see charisma? Uh, Do you see speaking ability? No, 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 no. Those are gifts of a human spirit, not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can be gifted, and many of you are, in amazing ways, with your human spirit. You have incredible training and degrees. This isn't talking about that. There's nothing external here. This is internal character change. And then lastly, notice the word is singular, okay? It's symmetrical. Fruit of the spirit. Not fruits. I've heard this. I mispronounce this all the time. I thought, gosh, this month I want to I focus on the fruit of love. And I'm going to be all about being more loving. Um, God bless you if that's your heart. But that's not what Paul's getting across here. It's one word, fruit. And it's symmetrical. So my brother uh, just had our Gadini DNA uh, like research through Ancestry.com. We've researched our family tree, and we found um, historically that Gadino Gadini was the first Gadini in 1100, actually 1095, and he fought in the Crusades in Italy. We're 100% Italian as Gadinis. But lately, they have this thing on Ancestry.com where you can swab your, your gum, turn it in, and they'll do your DNA, and they'll take your whole human genome and, and look it through, and then they'll give you a report, okay? I am 100% Italian, but this week, we got the report. Did you know the reality? Ethnically, before 1100, somewhere in the Gadini DNA, while my citizenship, I have dual American-Italian, is, you know, my, my name is Italian, whatever. I'm only 60% Italian. I'm 12% Middle Eastern. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm Saudi, I'm Libyan, I'm Iranian, I'm Jordanian. I'm 4% Greek, according to the DNA in my genome. And I'm 8% British, tally-ho. <laughs> Look, I am 100% Italian, but what makes all that up are all those different DNA genome genes that come in and make me who I am. Paul's saying the same thing here. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're 100% Christian, but your growth is symmetrical over time. Okay, so that's the nature of change. That's how God does it. Now, quickly, your process of change. How does that happen? How do I get a story like Danny and Amy's story? And God wants stories for all of us, and many of you have those stories. But the story should never end. Here we go. Really simple. Verse 24 to 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Very simple. Starve the flesh. Starve the flesh. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. When you came to Christ, Jesus took a big big axe to your flesh line that was feeding all your decisions and those over-desires or passions, and he cut it. So that the access and the energy wasn't there anymore. But it's still accessible as a Christian. Uh, In June, I went off Facebook. I was going on sabbatical, and I just wanted to disconnect from a lot. I had to from here. And and frankly, it was just Facebook was too important to me. Uh, The account has been left open since June. Uh, My wife uses it in a stealth way, and we keep track with our daughters and what have you. My daughter texted me and said, Dad, I put a picture of you and I up on Facebook. And so last night, I haven't accessed it. I went on Facebook, saw the picture, 
And I'm like, ah, oh. and I scrolled down, I scrolled down, before I knew it, 20 minutes. I'm like, what am I doing? This is a way, for me, like, grace to you, I'm not down on Facebook at all. There's many good things about Facebook. But in 20 minutes, I realized, oh my gosh, I had closed access to my account, but the account was still open. I, I, and, and then when I accessed it, it sucked me in again. That's what Paul's saying right here. Starve the flesh. It's been severed. And then feed the spirit. Look at this. And this is, you want Galatians in one verse? Here it is. This is, you want to condense Galatians down to one verse. Someone asks you, what is the book of Galatians about? You say, Galatians 5.25. This is what it's about. We're going to say this together, okay? Really together. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. There it is. That's the whole point of Galatians. What does that mean? How do I do this? Everyone, look right here. How do you do this? Paul never gives you a checklist. He never says, do this, do this, do this. Otherwise, he'd just heap more rules on you. He says, you have something better than a checklist. You have the living God inside you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And to overplay a well-overused analogy, but it's so good, how do you keep in step with the Spirit? The same way you follow your GPS when you're driving somewhere and you don't know how to get there. When you don't know how to get to the destination, you click in it in the GPS and you listen to every command that GPS says. So as you're worshiping here today and you're going, Jesus, you're so good, you're so good. Guess what? Jesus doesn't, does, just doesn't want to be good here on Sunday morning. He wants to be good on Monday and Sunday afternoon when you drive off this campus. And so you keep a conversation going with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what, what, where are we going today? I, I have a habit of in the morning going through my to-do list and going through my calendar and going, God, this is what's on paper. What are you going to do today? Keep me in tune with what you're about. God, what do you want for us today? How do we do this today? It really is. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, you know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. That's what it means. It's just keeping relational lines clear with God, talking with God. When you face things, as opposed to freaking out, and like Danny, as opposed to going to anger, you heard this. This was so good. He turned to God. He said, God, what would you have me do with this? This upsets me. Speak to me. Why does this hurt so much? I think, honestly, like half of keeping a step with the Holy Spirit will mean this. This is worth writing down. Slow down. I know in my life, when I'm running at breakneck speed, that's when the carnality comes out. We're walking and going too fast. So we got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit has your best in mind. I told you that following Christ is, uh, it's, we said that following Jesus is more like following in love than following rules. It's so true. But everyone, listen, and then we're going to pray. Even two people in love need to nurture that love. It's not one and done. I told you I loved you 20 years ago and just live off that. No, no, you need to nurture that love over time. It's the same with God. He's always there for you. His spirit is in you. We're living in the advantage right now. We have it better than anyone you read about in the Bible. Because Jesus says it's to your advantage I'm going away. And so you just nurture that love and keep a conversation going with God and worship him and read your Bible and and pray, not because God will love you more if, but because you're in a love relationship with God and you just nurture that communication.
That's keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Starve the flesh. Feed the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the truth of it. God, I pray, I don't need to pray for this body because I, I have a log in my own eye and I want to pray. Uh, I would ask you to pray with me that, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. The conviction we felt over the acts of the flesh, the works of the flesh, when you spoke to us about how much we over-desire good things, we want to act on that. I thank you that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. God, we don't want to live carnal lives. We want to be free and live supernaturally. So Holy Spirit, consume us. Consume me. Say that silently to God if you really mean it. Holy Spirit, consume me. Guide me. You're going places. I want to keep in step with you. Starting right now. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. You've been listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com. 